are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to the always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos, my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or look up Locked On Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be doing this podcast without you, the listener. So, Thank you for all of that. It's free and available on all platforms. But what are we discussing on today's podcast? Well, there's been a lot of Ketel Marte trade speculation, of course, over the last what few months, the last couple of years, because the D-backs have not been a very good team. So one of the teams that always comes up in those trade talks or really just speculation rumors is the New York Yankees. And you can't blame Yankees fans because it's been a miserable, miserable run over the last 20 years, I guess. They haven't had as much success as they probably would have liked. But they're a team that comes up a lot in Ketel Marte trade rumors. So we're actually going to mock up a fake Ketel Marte trade. What would the D-backs or I like back in return for a trade for Ketel Marte? We're going to power rank the players coming back to the D-backs I would most likely want. So it's going to be a fun pod. And if we have enough time, we're also going to do a part two of storylines I'm watching for the D-backs in 2022. So it's going to be a jam-packed pod. It's going to be a fun pod as always. So let's get right into it. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Miller Thomas of Locked On Diamondbacks still here. And let's get into the discussion of if the D-backs were to trade Ketel Marte to the New York Yankees, what should they want back in return? I have here seven players listed. And for the D-backs, I think they should acquire at least two of these seven players back in return depending on which two they get back I think it could also involve a sweetener to the deal as well the seven players I've written down Louis Gill, Glaber Torres, Estevan Floriel, Jonathan Lysaga, Clark Schmidt, Debbie Garcia, and Luis Severino I would like two of those seven players back maybe a sweetener like a Clay Holmes or Luis Sessa but I'm going to power rank these players from the bottom to the top of guys who I most want, the assets, the players I most want back in the Ketel Marte trade. I would be happy if we got someone at the top half and someone at the bottom half. But if we could get two of the top three players I have listed here, I would be that that would basically be a dream come true. And I think it is possible because the Yankees, I think they're kind of in desperate, desperate times right now in a desperate situation because the AL East is looking really strong right now. I had four 90-plus win teams last year. It's officially 20 years now and only one ring for the Yankees. And for a franchise that's always championship or bust, 
that's not good enough. This is a team that usually wins, what, three championships every decade, and they only have won the last two decades. So the Yankees are a team that desperately wants to get back into the championship mix, and they could look at Marte's bat as the difference uh, between winning a championship and maybe just making it to the championship series once again. The difference between a World Series and the championship series could be Ketel Marte in the Yankees' mind. So I wouldn't be surprised if they gave up two of the top three players listed here, or I guess I would be, but you never know with the Yankees. They could be ultra aggressive uh, considering the philosophy of their franchise. And of course, my philosophy when it comes to trades is I want more ready-made guys as opposed to 18-year-old prospects who I might have to wait four years before I see them on the major league level. I want to go with more of that Mike Hazen, Paul Goldschmidt kind of trade where he got back Two guys who you already saw on the major league level in a Carson Kelly and a Luke Weaver. Two guys who were former top prospects who showed some flashes and then already got their feet wet on the major league level. Plus, you got a sweetener back in Andrew Young, who is a major league ready prospect as well. So I think I'm going with that kind of that kind of deal. Uh, if I'm a Mike Hazen going into a Ketel Marte trade with the Yankees, give me two guys who have already seen on the major league level. <clears throat> Give me two guys who I've already seen on the major league level, plus a Sweener as well, who might be a major league ready prospect or something else. So let's get into the power rankings. Players who I want back most in a return in a Ketel Marte trade. We're going to start with the bottom, the least likely guy out of the seven, I should say. And that's going to be Debbie Garcia starting off these power rankings at number seven. He's going to be 23. He's a right-handed pitcher. And in eight starts, this past season, he had a, he had 42.2 innings pitch, a 5.27 ERA, 4.29 FIP, 8.4 strikeouts per nine, 2.1 walks per nine, and a 1.24 WHIP. So, so far to start his career, Devi Garcia hasn't been you know phenomenal or anything like that. Uh, he's been kind of shaky. He's had some rough patches. He's been up and down so far in baseball. And those were his numbers the past two seasons, not just this past year, the past two seasons with Debbie Garcia. And also, it's not just the major league numbers that look kind of shaky for uh, Debbie Garcia. The minor league numbers, too, the past two seasons have been kind of inconsistent for Garcia. So you don't like to see that. But I do like the fact that he's graduated to the MLB level. He was third on the Yankees prospect list in 2020, so this is someone who has had pretty high pedigree going back to his days in the minors. He's got a pretty high spinning curve with great break. He's got a mid-90s fastball and a pretty good changeup as well. Nice little three-pitch arsenal that could make him effective on the MLB level. I think he's probably, or at least when he was coming up through the minors, he was viewed as more of a back-end starter, but I think at this point of his career, or maybe it's still early in his career, but I think the trajectory where he's going, it looks like Debbie Garcia is going to be more of a back-end reliever. I think that's probably more of his future. I think right now he's probably too inconsistent as a starter to be or too too inconsistent as a pitcher to be a back-end starter. I think reliever's more in his future. Still young, right-handed pitcher. I would be interested in him in him in a Ketel Marte trade, but I definitely don't want him to be the main headline coming back. I would want him paired with someone at the top of this list. So let's get into number six on my power rankings for who I'd want back in a Marte trade package. And the next up is Clark Schmidt. This guy in uh in his MLB career so far, 12.2 innings pitch, 639 ERA, 
9.2 strikeouts per nine, but 7.1 walks per nine, a 5.23 FIP, 2.21 whip. Some of the numbers are just absolutely disgusting where Clark Schmidt, but he's someone, again, only 12.2 innings pitch on the MLB level so far in his career. So still super young. Uh, I believe he's going to be like 25 or 26 years old, so he's not old at all. He finished this year fifth on the Yankees prospect list. So again, another guy with pretty high pedigree. 2.37 ERA in 38 innings pitch in minors this past season. That's one of the reasons why I had him above Debbie Garcia because Garcia has struggled both on the major on the major league level and the minor league level the past couple of seasons. While Clark Schmidt, it might not be that good on the MLB level yet, but at least he's still crushing it in the minors, which I think gives you a little bit more optimism than a Garcia. Again, first round pick in 2017. So not only was he fifth on the prospect list this past season, but if you really want to understand the pedigree with a Clark. Mark Schmidt, this is someone that was drafted 16th overall by the Yankees back in 2017. Again, uh, an arsenal close to what Devi Garcia is, mid-90s fastball, devastating curve, and a plus changeup. His issue, though, as you can see with that uh, 7.1 walks per nine innings, his issue going back to his minor league days has always been command. Schmidt has always been someone that liked to put players on the bases. He's always had issues with walking dudes. So if he can fix that, I think he could maybe be a back-end starter. But like a Devi Garcia, I think high-end reliever might be more in the cards for a Clark Schmidt. But either way, I would take a high-end reliever considering how bad the bullpen has been for the D-backs the past couple of seasons. I wouldn't be upset with either one of these guys. Then the last guy I want to talk about for segment number one is Estevan Floreal. 24 years old, an outfielder for the New York Yankees, someone who has played only in, he's only had 23 at-bats on the major league level, so a very, very small sample size for Floreal, but he's looked pretty good in that small sample size, six hits, which equates to a 304 average, one home run, five walks, six strikeouts, 950 OPS. The D-backs, I know, they have a ton of young outfielders, but Again, that shouldn't stop them from adding talent if they do believe Floreal is better than anyone in their minor league system. I'm not saying Floreal is better than Alec Thomas or Corbin Carroll, but if he is, if it is true that Floreal is better than any of those young prospect outfielders coming up through the system, then let them duke it out in spring training and whoever wins the position battle should be awarded the job. So if Floreal is more talented than a Thomas or a Corbin Carroll or Jake McCarthy, that shouldn't stop the D-backs from acquiring him, even though they might already have a gluttony of young outfielders in their farm system. It doesn't matter. Show his ride with the talent. So I would be interested in a Floreal. This is someone that finished seventh on the Yankees prospect list in 2020. So again, a pretty high pedigree prospect. His minor league numbers suggest he's regressed the last couple of seasons. But even if that's true, this is someone that has shown a ton of flashes on the minor league level. And he was pretty good in the small sample size he has on the MLB level. He has a super aggressive approach at the plate, which has led to a low walk rate and a high strikeout rate. But the numbers he's put up in the minor league level has showed you that he could be a 25 25 kind of guy if he puts it all together is the lefty too that makes him even more interesting so even though the d-backs have a gluttony of young outfielders a guy who could be 25 25 if he puts it together seems to have a pretty high ceiling pretty good small sample size on the mlb level which i like to see even though the sample size was small like i said 
I would be interested in Floriel, even though there's a ton of young, talented outfielders on the D-backs. That shouldn't stop them from acquiring more talent. So I would be interested in any three of those guys. But I think the next four I'm going to talk about in segment number two are really the high end, the guys that could really be, you know, potential all-stars on a D-back squad, on a playoff squad for the D-backs. So we'll talk about the next four guys I would like back in a Ketel Marte trade. But before we discuss that, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good. You'll want to eat. You'll want to eat it. It's covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, and it's healthy. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great for that keto diet. Just go to built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your first order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Let's get back into the podcast and let's discuss the next four guys I would love back in a Ketel Marte trade because I think these next four guys are, they have the highest potential, the highest ceiling when it comes to the assets we're looking in a Ketel Marte trade. I think these next four guys could really be high quality major leaguers, like all-star level major leaguers, and maybe a couple of them could even be superstar level players. So let's continue the list, get into number four, and that's going to be Jonathan Lysaga, who I believe is going to be the second oldest player on this list, 27 years old, has really turned into a great bullpen arm, kind of came up through the system as maybe a number two or number three starter for the Yankees. He kind of pitched as a starter his first couple years on the MLB level, kind of entering his fifth season. Not kind of, I believe he is entering his fifth season, was a starter when he first got to the MLB level, but was exclusively a bullpen arm this past season after flirting with the bullpen in 2020 full-time bullpen arm this past season and these were his numbers during the 2021 season sorry i got a little a little spit on the side of my mouth there hopefully you guys didn't see that on the camera if you're watching the youtube feed but thankfully if you guys are listening to the audio you didn't see it don't go and watch the youtube video if you're now listening to this through the audio version but Let's look at Lazica's numbers this past season because they were pretty phenomenal. 70 innings pitched, 217 ERA, 8.8 strikeouts per nine, only two walks per nine innings. The command has been an issue for a couple of these pitchers I've already discussed, but not with Jonathan Lazica because he's got 101 whip and a 258 FIP. Lazica is someone I like a lot. He's someone that I think would be tough to pry away from the Yankees considering his age and how good he's been out the bullpen for them. He was second on the Yankees prospect list back in 2019. So know what he's doing right now isn't a fluke. He's got a 4-2-3 ERA and 11 career starts as a starter. So I think there's still a path there for Lazica to be, you know, a number three starter if the situation breaks right, if the D-backs want to acquire him, move him back to being a starter. I think there is a path to Lazica being a high-end starter for maybe a potential D-back squad. But considering he's a 3.06 ERA and 111 innings pitch as a reliever, maybe you don't mess with it. 9.4 strikeouts per nine as well, exclusively as a reliever. He's been pretty elite as a back-end reliever so far for the Yankees the last couple seasons. And with his career trajectory 
of, you know, the way it's going right now, considering he's someone that has a, a little bit of a history dealing with arm issues. I think I would keep him on the path of being a pretty elite back end reliever kind of guy, a guy that could finish games for you. I think I would keep him on that path right now, not try to mess with him and move him back to being a starter. So I think that would be the smart thing for the D-backs to do as well. Mid 90s fastball plus changeup in a mid 80s breaking ball. When I say mid 90s fastball for these guys, they're legit mid 90s, usually around 95, 96, maybe could even touch 97, 98. Not a lot of guys on the D backs rotation or even in their bullpen that could hit that mid 90s uh, fastball. So I like all these Yankees pitchers mostly because of that high velocity and Lazaga's a number one, uh, uh, another one. Excuse me, Lazaga's another guy that could have a pretty high velocity as well. Numbers were better for Lazaga too in tougher situations when you look at his numbers in high leverage moments. 571 OPS allowed with uh when in high leverage moments for Lazaga, which is pretty damn elite. Maybe he could still be a frontline starter, but like I said before, I think this is a guy who could be a closer of the future if the D-backs want to go the Lazaga route. So I like him a lot. I would not be upset at all if we got him back in a Marte trade. But the next guy on this list, I think is very interesting, a very controversial name. And I don't I don't know the likelihood of this guy being moved because I think Yankees fans kind of have a soft spot in their heart for him because he struggled this past season. But we've seen greatness from him in the past, and that is Glaber Torres. Yes, I'm bringing him up. This guy took the league by storm his first two seasons was an absolute rock star breaking in to the major league scene, still only 25 years old. When you look at that second season in baseball for Torres, just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, a legit all-star his second season, 38 home runs, 870 OPS, 90 RBIs, a 128 OPS plus in 144 games in his second season. Absolutely phenomenal, but has really struggled the last couple seasons. He's basically played 169 games the last two years. And not basically, I always say, I always put these qualifiers in front of words. Like he's played 169 games the last two seasons, but he's basically been a 250 average guy, 700 OPS guy the last two seasons with only 12 home runs and 67 RBIs in 169 games the last two years. Again, 90 RBIs the second season. So just the production he was a middle of the order bat and he just hasn't been that the last couple of seasons but he's definitely a reclamation project i wouldn't mind taking over i still believe he can be a superstar level player but he needs to rediscover his confidence uh he's someone whose hard hit percentage on batter balls has kind of declined the last couple of years Plus, with his decrease in launch angle, has just led to a rise in that ground ball percentage for Gleyber Torres. He's just not elevating the ball as much, and he's definitely not doing it with the same power we saw the first couple years in baseball. But considering Nick Ahmed is basically a corpse playing shortstop, I would definitely take the gamble on a Gleyber Torres. And he's also someone with position versatility, so... He doesn't have to be the shortstop. He could play second base. He could play third base. He's someone that could play all over the infield. So I don't mind a Gleyber Torres at all. Yes, his confidence might be shot, but considering his talent level and his ceiling, he's still someone that I think would be worth the gamble. The number one Yankees prospect 
back in 2018. And his story is also kind of funny because he was in the Cubs organization. And remember, the Yankees traded Aroldis Chapman to the Chicago Cubs like back in 2017, 2016 at the trade deadline. They got Glaber Torres back in that deal, in that Chapman trade. And then the next offseason, they traded Chapman, or excuse me, in the next offseason, the Yankees signed Chapman back. So just an interesting tale for a Glaber Torres traded to the Yankees in a Aroldis Chapman trade. And then the Yankees get back Chapman the next offseason. That is the definition of a fleece. I would love if the D-backs could pull off a move like that, but I doubt it considering their franchise. No one wants to help out the D-backs in that kind of situation. So, Lazaga, Glaber Torres, two guys I would definitely heavily consider coming back in a Keto Marte trade. Like, I would be ecstatic if we got one, if not both of those guys in a Keto Marte trade. And I still got two more guys I want to discuss in a Ketel Marte trade. So it doesn't look like we're going to be able to get to storylines on this podcast. We'll have to save part two for the next podcast of storylines to watch for the D-backs in 2022. I don't think I'm going to get to it on today's pod. So we'll save it for the next pod. But that doesn't mean we're we're done with the Ketel Marte trade package that we want to see. Still got two more guys on the list. So we'll discuss that in segment number three. But first, I have to tell you about Betaline because this episode is brought to you by Betaline. Betaline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Let's get back into the podcast and let's discuss the number two guy on my list of who I would want back in a Ketel Marte trade, and that is Luis Gill. Made his major league debut this past season for the Yankees. He's going to be 24 years old, still super young. Emerged this past season with six starts, 29 innings pitch, 307 ERA, 11.7 strikeouts per nine, so real strikeout artist, 5.8 walks per nine. 4.4 FIP and a 1.33 whip. The numbers were pretty good for Louis Scale. Some of the peripheral numbers do make you a little hesitant when you look at the FIP, the walk, but considering the strikeout numbers and his overall ERA still being pretty good, Louis Scale is definitely someone I would take back. His hard contact rate on batted balls could be a little bit better. It was still kind of high for my liking, but considering the OPS allowed was still 613 and the average allowed was still 183. He's still someone that was productive, even though the hard hit percentage was a little high for my liking. But considering he was still productive, that is the number I'm going to take most into account. Because I again, if you're even if like sometimes that this is where I 
disagree with some of those expected stats. At the end of the day, if you're producing at a certain level, like I don't really care what your expected stats are because if you do it for a full season, then do the expected stats really mean anything? So even though we could improve the hard contact numbers for a loose skill, I still love that the fact that he was actually productive with OPS allowed and average allowed. So yes, the numbers might be a little concerning for Louis Gill, depending on what you looked at, but at least he did actually perform well in 2021. It's one of the reasons why I like him considering he's 24 years old. And when you look at his numbers with runners and scoring position, this is someone that was dominant when guys were on the bases and had an opportunity to score. 0.042 average allowed below 100.042 average allowed 249 OPS allowed with runners in scoring position it's one of the reasons why I'm like all right his hard contact numbers were maybe not the best but look at what he did with runners in scoring position when the game mattered the most no one was able to get a hit off Luis Gill finished fourth on the Yankees prospect list in 2021 so this is still someone very new to the major league level but at least you're not getting you know someone back that is considered a scrub in their own system and he's also someone that's younger than Glaber Torres and I think adding a, a young starting pitcher to pair with Zach Allen is more important right now than trying to replace the Ketel Marte production with Glaber Torres so if I had to choose between one or the other Luis Gill or Glaber Torres I think I would rather go the Luis Gill route just because I want the D-backs to be built through their starting pitcher I kind of want them to change their philosophy and build a team around Zach Allen and finding a number two starter to pair with him I think Luis Gill could be that guy now there are some red flags with Luis Gill he is someone who struggled with command going back to the minors he's had uh like a career walk rate in the minors of like 4.4 like he's someone that walks a lot of people in the minors but when you look at those strikeout numbers he's someone that can be absolutely devastating at time right uh racking up the case he's definitely someone that's got the stuff to be an elite strikeout artist on the MLB level because when you look at his pitching arsenal he's someone that has nasty stuff he's got a fastball that sits in the triple digits or at least could get up to the triple digits it probably sits around 97 98 throughout the game but you know when it's that Justin Verlander sixth inning I need to put this guy away he can hit 100 miles an hour pretty easily he's got a power breaking ball and a changeup that could hit 90 miles an hour too this is just a power pitcher and he's someone that the D-backs do not have they do not have a power pitcher on their roster and Luis Gill could be the answer to that problem and if he ends up flaming out as a frontline starter this is someone that definitely definitely has closer of the future written all over him so if he ended up not being good as a number two or number three starter then guess what you make him the closer now you have a guy who you say, hey, just go out there and throw as hard as you can every time. And he's someone that can hit 102 pretty consistently. If he was to just be a closer and only focus on throwing hard, he could do it for the D-back. So I think this is someone that has super high upside. And considering, I think it's harder to find a high upside starter as opposed to a high upside shortstop. Or I just think, you know, I, I just think it's more valuable to a team to have a high upside starter. And considering the D-backs already have Zach Allen, if you can have two elite frontline starters, that's how the D-backs won their 2001 World Series. I would rather the team be built like that than trying to build around a Ketel Marte and try to outscore teams. I'd rather they get into a little bit more muddy matchups and make it 
more win more games the three to two route as opposed to the six to five route so i would rather go the Luis gill route as opposed to the glaber torres route if i had to choose between the two but if i could have my cake and eat it too and get both of the guys i would be pretty pretty happy with that if i could get a gill and a torres for ketel Marte. but i think that would be a little bit too rich for the yankees liking and then the final guy the number one guy on my list I would like back in the Ketel Marte trade. Now, this might be even more controversial than the Gleyber Torres one, but I'm going Luis Severino. This is someone that was elite, uh, really an all-star level closer, a number one, not closer, an all-star level starter, a number one starter for a franchise back when you look at his numbers in 2017 and 2018. But the numbers or the issue for uh, Luis Severino has been his health the last couple of years, because this is someone that has only pitched 18 innings between 2019 and 2021 because of surgery and not being able to stay on the field. But even with that being said, he's still going to be 28 years old, still someone super young in the prime of their career. And he looked like a number one guy back in 2017 and 2018. So again, going back to my personal philosophy of getting guys major league who are are major league ready, no one's more major league ready than a Luis Severino. He's someone that I've already seen be elite on the major league level. That's why I don't mind going after a Severino or Torres, even though they both have major questions and red flags. Their ceiling, the idea of a ceiling with the Torres and Severino is more, is less theoretical than when you look at a Luis Gill or a Lazica because those guys have been superstar, star-level players in their past already. Someone like Devi Garcia is more theoretical. Someone like Severino, even though he hasn't been healthy the last couple of years, at least I've seen him be a star-level pitcher before, a number one starter before, so that's why I don't mind going after him. Same with Torres. I've seen him be a superstar-level shortstop before, so I don't mind going after and taking the gamble on the Torres either. And just the overall idea of the modern athlete like I don't really care about major injuries anymore like I think pretty much any modern day athlete can come back from uh, a major injury in their career a quote-unquote career ender injury in today's game because I think with the modern technology and health and the way these guys are taking care of themselves they're getting better than ever at coming back from major injury like Tommy John surgery that kind of stuff really doesn't matter anymore we see in other sports Achilles injuries torn ACLs like that really doesn't matter anymore either if you're young enough and you take care of yourself so Luis Severino being only 28 years old I think I'm less worried about him not getting back to his levels his apex back in 2017 2018 because of the modern athlete today so he's someone that I would love to get on this D-back squad he's someone that when you look at his numbers from this past season he only pitched very I think he only had like six innings pitched this past season but in those six innings his fastball sat firmly in the mid 90s the average like 95.4 miles per hour so that does give me optimism that this guy could get back to the apex that we saw in 2017-2018 making only 11 and a half million dollars this season 15 million dollar 15 million dollar team option next season before free agency so he's someone that's not super expensive considering the ceiling he has and considering we're paying a guy like Bumgarner over 20 million I would not be upset paying 11 and a half to a Luis Severino and 
Going after Luis Severino too, I think would be a lateral move. I think if you're trading Ketel Marte and you get back a Luis Severino, I think that indicates we're not trying to do a full rebuild. We're trying to do more of a retool and get back to the playoffs within the next three years. If you go more of the Debbie Garcia, someone who's like 23 years old, I think you're thinking more of a blow it up kind of a route. But if I'm going after Luis Severino, I'm telling my fan base, I'm trying to win pretty soon with a gallon and a Severino and trying to retool that lineup maybe. So I wouldn't mind Severino. I'm not in the fan of doing a full rebuild and blowing everything up and tanking. If you go after Severino, I think it means we're trying to be a little bit more competitive, maybe sit in that 70 win range as we try to retool the lineup, retool the bullpen and other areas of the team. So I don't mind that route. After uh, I don't mind that route and going after Luis Severino, who've, who we've already seen be a high-level starter before in the past. So he's number one on my list of guys who I would want back in a Ketel Marte trade. So <clears throat> if we got back two of the top three guys on my list, I would be okay and call it a day. I would be happy called it in to uh, call it in to Rob Manfred if we get back like a Luis Severino and a Glaber Torres or a Luis Gill and a Lazaga. If we got back two of the top four guys, I think I would be happy and call it in. But if we got back one of the top four guys plus one bottom three guy, then I would need back a sweetener like a Miguel Andujar or a Clay Holmes, someone that could be a high upside flyer or someone that could be a reliever and play day one for me or like an Andrew Young level prospect who might be not ready for the major league level day one, but within a few months uh, could be, you know, starting for me maybe every day or as a platoon guy. So I need a sweetener if it's only one top four guy and one bottom three guy. But if the Yankees are willing to give up two of the top four guys on my list, then we can call in any Ketel Marte trade they want to Rob Manfred in the league office. So this is what I'm asking for from the Yankees if they want Ketel Marte. If they are not able to acquiesce, then the D-back should keep a guy who is making less money than Luis Severino. Now that's it for... <clears throat> excuse me, I, I'm getting like this buildup in my throat, but that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Uh, shout out all my first-time listeners. If this is your first time listening to the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, shout out to you. Shout out to everyone who makes the Locked on Dimebacks podcast their first listen of the day. I could not do this podcast without you. The listeners sharing, subscribing, reviewing is free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. We'll do part two of Storylines. I'm watching for the D-backs in 2022 because we did not get a chance to get to it on today's podcast, so we'll get to it on next pods, but Thank you to everyone who tuned in to today's pod. As always, stay safe and stay healthy, and I'll catch you next time. Deuces!